1: It's the weekend this time. Sorry, we, we might have beat you out a little bit with that mid-week episode, but good morning. It's the weekend. Happy Saturday. This is Young Bucks, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Jared Pruger and me. Alex Stone, we're here. It's another weekend. Jared, how are you doing?
2: Listen, it's double the pleasure on this, uh, this beautiful opening week of minor league baseball. So we get to, first of all, we get to see each other, which is the first time we've seen each other in what seems like forever. Um, because this is going to sound crazy to our listeners, but Alex and I are really good friends. Uh, we've been <laughs> good friends since he vultured um, a clinching game uh, in 2017. I, think
1: 17. It was. I was with Pirates Breakdown at the time.
2: Right. We both were. We both were yeah. at that time. Um, as, as we were covering the curve in their, their, their big-time run in the Eastern League playoffs, the then Eastern League. Now it's the Northeastern League. That's one of the things that we had to change. Um, but, no, so we get to record. We get to see live baseball. We talked about Ronzi Contreras and everything that he did. But there is a lot more that's happened in, this, in that time period since that we're going to get to, and we needed two shows to do it this week. Yeah,
1: yeah we did. Like I, I had to start gushing about Contreras. I could not wait until the weekend. I wanted that to just be out there in the world, you know, as soon as it could be, you know, because I, I couldn't write, you know, a giant column. It's like, well, let's let's go podcast. Let's get this out there. But a lot of other guys have made some very early impressions and we're going to preface this saying some of this just might be overreaction. A lot of it is probably overreaction, so I'm not going to talk about oh this player is five for thirteen. It's a breakout season, baby. Just some stuff that's really stood out to us. This is a, a continuation of that first episode from this week, which you should listen to if you haven't already. I know it was a weird, <laughs> it was a weird post- posting, but Jared, the guy who really has stood out the most to me, and I'm going to lead this off with a little background discussion because whenever I was in Bradenton, we were all waiting for lawyer lawyer. We were all waiting for him to get there. He was having visa issues. The pirates are being very, it's, not open about what was going on. So after a while, I just said, you know, wait a minute, I've got his number. I'm going to reach out to him. Let's talk. And we talked a little bit about the visa stuff, but the stuff that he was really excited about and what I love talking about was the swing. Because whenever he was at the alternate site last year, he's facing, he brought up Nick Muir's fastball in particular, but a lot of guys, they would go, they would throw high fastballs. He had a hard time catching up. But he thought his timing was good. So what he did was he had really low hands. He moved them up. And he's saying this, and we're talking, it was like one of those, okay, I'm I'm interested to see how this works out. And I got a little taste of it in spring training, and I'm seeing it a little more now. That swing right now looks so much like Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. did whenever he was 20 years old, to the point that Baseball America just said, here it is. Here's Acuna swing at 20 years old. Here's Paguero swing at 20 years old, back to back. And they look virtually identical. And that should be exciting because this is a strong young man who has so much potential in the middle infield. Like I I'm willing to admit that Nick Gonzalez is the higher ranking prospect right now, probably the safer bet, but man, if I could only have one out of the two, I think i pick pick McGarrow.
2: Well, and what's great for Greensboro is both of them are playing pretty well right now. Yeah. You know, you, you look at, you look at their stats and you look at um, Gonzalez and they, this is his first minor league action and he's hitting 375 so far. He's got a home run, three hits. Two runs and, and eight at bats. That's you know and two RBIs. That that's pretty good. You know the on base percentage is at uh four forty four with an OPS of one point three one nine. Like that's that's pretty good for your first few sets of games. Now he didn't play um you know Thursday night, but you know that's that's not a bad start to a season for for a kid like Gonzalez.
1: No. No, and I, I know I put this out there on the interwebs. I would not be surprised if Pagaro and Gonzalez both get a call up to Altoona your way uh, about the same time as one another, because that's that's the double play combination of the future. I am not going to be convinced otherwise, unless like Kevin Newman just remembers that. They said it's 2019 again. I don't know how you can go with anyone else besides those two.
2: No and that's fair um, but what's tricky about that is in Altoona you've got Gwon Bay and O'Neill Cruz up the middle but you've also got Cruz Rodolfo. is an
1: outfielder. I'm sorry sooner you, everyone accepts that the sooner we could all get on with
2: our lives you, you've also got um, you've also got Rodolfo Castro as well. Um, but this reminds me a lot of you know we talked about that 2018 team or 2017 team. Um, that team, if I'm not mistaken, because it's been a couple of years, you know, it had, it featured Will Craig and, and Cabrian Hayes um, at, one, at one point or another. Well, Will Craig, for those that that are new to the system, was the third baseman until Cabrian Hayes came into the organization. Then he bumped over to the first base. That, honestly, let's be real here, that's what's going to have to happen for O'Neill Cruz, because Piguero is going to pass him up eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna facilitate crews to move positions. And first base, I think, with Mason Martin is a lock. Put him in the outfield because that's where you have the most question marks throughout the rest of the organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, there just aren't a whole lot of sure bet outfielders in the system. Like the only one that I would say right now is Swaggerty, and I don't even know how high that ceiling is. Um, some other guys who have really stood out: Andy Rodriguez, the catcher that the Pirates got in the Joe Musgrove trade. That's a, that's a sweet stroke he's got. I mean, we I hadn't really seen it. Like, I got some video whenever the trade actually happened. A lot of that was, you know, third-party, you know, stuff that anyone could access, you know, online, YouTube. So this was really, like, the first time where it was, like, actually something new. He was, it looked good. It looks good. And Nick Garcia just started Thursday. In Bradenton, I cannot imagine explaining, saying a couple years ago to, hey, the Pirates' third-round draft pick, who was a college pitcher, is throwing high fastballs in, in A-ball right now and getting really good results with them." Yeah, it was probably more like 94-ish fastball velocity, 92, 94. Maybe not as high as we have seen out of him. Still kind of early in the season. I, I thought
2: it was a good first outing. No, and that's the thing. If you can come out and command the zone, throw strikes in mm-hmm. your first outing, you're on. You're, um, in a great. Um, you're in a great spot. Now we talked about Swaggerty. Swaggerty's hit the ball pretty well to start the season. Yeah, uh, ha- had a moon shot the other day. Um, so too is Mason Martin. Now the power hasn't quite shown up quite yet. He's had two doubles. Uh, two of his five hits have been doubles. He's got um, two runs on the season. And 12 at bats, and he's played in all three games for uh, as of this recording. And when I'm sure he's going to play Friday, uh, fr- Friday night as well. But as of this recording, he's hitting 417, 500 OBP, and, and a 583 slugging percentage. So he's starting to, to fit that bill. But I think what's also important is he's got great discipline at the plate. Now, yeah, there are three strikeouts, but you were at the game with me on Tuesday, and everybody and their mother struck out. Um, yeah, game one, it was it with, with DL Hall. And Contreras, they were just – it was just a shove session, like we talked about in our, in our podcast earlier in the week. But, you know, he's got two walks already. That's the type of stuff that you want to see uh, as they make that adjustment to the A level.
1: I, I, I want your off-the-cuff response here because I, I've made my opinion on Mason Martin, but what, what do you think? Is this guy actually the first baseman of the future? Because I'm not sure. and I'm actually – Leaning right now more to Alexander Mojica in Bradenton as being like Mason Martin 2.0, where he's, there's this tremendous raw power. Now you got to build a ball player around it.
2: I'm on the fence right now because I haven't seen enough of I, him. I didn't see the development at the alt site last year, but I haven't seen enough of them. I've only been able to make it to two of the three games, but, you know, ask me in June or July, and then we can talk a little bit more about it when I think, Uh, From him, But I think the bat can play. He had 35 home runs in 2019, I believe, in in Greensboro. So the bat can play. The power is there. But I just don't know how that's going to translate to this level.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you're right. We have to see the power actually translate. And double A is where we see that. You don't see a guy go from hitting 30-something homers in A ball, 30-something homers in double A, to just falling off in triple A in the majors. That rarely happens. If, if he can prove that he can hit there, that's good. But i got to see a more complete ball player out of Mason Martin, too. I've got to see the defense look better. I've got to see, you know, can he get on base? I, I was impressed with his just overall grasp of the zone in that first start that I saw. I Like you said, a couple strikeouts, but it didn't really look like he was, you know, chasing a whole lot of stuff. Just that firm grasp of what's going on. That That's the type of stuff I'm really going to look forward to. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because... It, I, I'm a sucker for raw power whenever I'm, I'm looking up hitting prospects and I, I know Mason Martin is right up there with Cruz as you know, these next guys. I don't think Mojica right now has, I, I think he's very comparable to Martin right at this moment. Difference being that Mojica 18 years old.
2: Right. That's, that's another thing too. That the like age is definitely a factor. Now and now, tuna. They have a bunch of guys that are between 21 and 24, with a couple of outliers. But you know, it's still the worst part. Is I think you know over the course of the last two year or last two days or last this honestly, this whole opening week, the weather has been terrible. Um, and it's not, of course, of course, when minor league baseball says mm, we're going to play and we're going to start the season in May, the month of April is beautiful. Um, now there there have been Weather, the elements are are a factor. So, you know, it's not good hitting weather to begin with. So it'll be interesting to see as the weather heats up, does the bat and the power heat up uh, with it.
1: And just to, I guess, put a nice bow on this opening segment, Contreras, man, that was, that stuck with me for a couple days right now. Like that was such an outing. I'm going to have, you know, my second shot, it's Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon. So I might be, I might be couch for that night and I'm not 100% convinced I'm going to be only watching Pirates that day. I think I'm going to have like an MILB stream going. I got to see Ronzy again. No.
2: Listen, I, <laughs> he, he made Adley Rutschman look so silly on that last strikeout Tuesday night that my knee is still swollen from it. That oh. changeup
1: was something. That was it. He attacked the zone and he pitched efficiently and he's like, you know what? I've got 97, 98 miles per hour in the bank. I've got a breaking ball that moves. Let's go. Let's see what you can do with this stuff. It's, I am so glad that he's not going to just be throwing down in the zone for his own sake. Like how horrible that would be. If he was like this kid with so much potential, don't put him in a mold. That was the best thing. That Perez, the curve manager, said after after that first game, he's like, he's going to attack the zone with his best stuff. You guys see that a whole lot with our pitching staff this year. That was a ten out of ten response.
2: No, and as, and that's exactly right. Um, and that's and it's something that uh, we'll talk about here in the third segment uh, about what we've seen so far this week, team wise. Because granted, there they are still teams, um, but we have a very special guest. Coming up in segment two, John Moses, who's the director of, of broadcast communications for the Altoona Curve. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about what he thinks Altoona is going to do this year, but also what it feels like to be back um, in the swing of things and back at the ballpark for the first time in, in, um, in over 600 days. Welcome to segment two of Young Butts. This is Jared Pruitt. I'm here with John Moses, who's the de- director of broadcast communications um, with the Altoona Curve. John, thanks as always for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Jared.
2: Now, this is your first year in Altoona. And let's tell our listeners what goes into producing and, and broadcasting a minor league baseball
0: game. Uh, wow, a lot. Um, you know, have to know our players inside and out. Um, have to know our opponent inside and out. Um, we spend between Preston and I about two and a half hours a day making our daily game notes, um, which you know has information on every guy, tr- trends on the team, uh, keep our roster up to date um, with any information about changes or uh, you know as players come and go. Um, and then we sort of have to do the soup to nuts of the actual broadcast itself, make sure our radio station partner at WRTA has um, all of the commercials, all of the imaging is correct, make sure all of our sponsors are lined up with spots that they're happy with, um, and then actually call the game itself, uh, which is probably the best part of my job. How do you tell the game story for a lot of people that aren't able to watch it? Well, so, I mean, the idea for me is to make sure that anybody that tunes into us I'm assuming that they don't know a ton about baseball. I'm assuming that they don't know a ton about the players. Um, so I almost have to walk this interesting line of talking to casual baseball fans and, you know, far more interested baseball fans, like some of the diehards that I'm sure that, you know, might listen to us every night, or are super interested in who's next for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, so it's sort of this interesting line where, you know, I have to describe a game in a certain way that, uh, makes it digestible for, you know, a young listener or somebody that's just tuning in because maybe their neighbor's grandson or something like that is, uh, is playing for the team or playing minor league baseball. Um, so it's, it's it's interesting, but it's fun. Now in a normal year, I know you had mentioned getting to know the players um, in all aspects. In a normal year, you'd
2: be in the clubhouse and, and talking to them daily. How has that been impacted this year?
0: Yeah, it's tough. You know, I really don't have much in-person contact with players. Um, you know, since I'm fully vaccinated, I've gotten clearance from our, uh, from our trainer to do pre-game interviews, uh, as long as we're outdoors and both wearing masks. Um, so I've done one of those so far. Um, and you know, that's sort of my best opportunity to get some one-on-one time with players. Um, You know, like everyone else, you know, I'm not a covered individual So I'm not permitted to be on the field or be in the clubhouse or be on the bus like I normally would Um, So it's it's been a challenge. Now. How are you guys gonna handle road games? Because obviously at home you're in your booth and it's it's not too bad, but road games How are you guys gonna handle that this year? So I have clearance from our ownership group to drive myself to road trips um, which I'm thankful for, um, and, you know, I'll have to abide by the same protocols as, as here at home, you know, that I won't really have in-person contact with the team. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, as players, you know, uh, more vaccinations occur, that maybe we can relax some of those protocols as the year goes on, but, uh, you know, it, at least, um, you know, we at The Curve will be able to provide the same great radio broadcast at home as we do on the road. Now, this isn't your first year in minor
2: league baseball, or even double A. You were with Trenton before, and what was it like to go from the Yankees organization to the Pirates organization?
0: Uh, You know, it's different. Every organization does things a little bit differently. Um, You know, some things uh, in the New York Yankees organization were really kept close to the chest. Um, you know, information about player injuries or even, you know, the starting rotation wouldn't get to me until a day or two before a series. Um, and you know, that the, that's their prerogative. You know, that's how organizations carry uh, you know, their information and I'm still getting a feel for how the how the Pirates are with it. Um, you know, this is only game four tonight. <laughs> but uh, it is a little bit different and uh, I'm happy to be learning about
2: it. Now, in your time in minor league baseball, do you have a player that? been your your favorite prospect or your must-see po- prospect come through?
0: Wow. I mean, there are so many. Um, for Trenton, I mean, like I, I saw Gary Sanchez my first year. We had him for the entire 2014 campaign. And then in 15, the Thunder opened with Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Greg Bird and Mason Williams and Jake Cave and Luis Severino started on opening day. Um, you know, that was a pretty remarkable team. And then in 2017, the Thunder opened the season with Miguel Andujar playing third base, Glaber Torres at shortstop, Tyro Estrada at second, and Mike Ford at first. You know, it's four big leaguers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe a couple all-stars in the future there between those four guys. So, you know, been blessed to see a lot of great players, but the one guy that always sticks with me is Vlad Jr. No, I think that's very fair. I remember seeing him play here in, in Altoona,
2: and he was just—he was just so much fun to watch. Um, now, is there a guy on the curve roster that you see that you're—that's a must-see guy this year?
0: Well, sure. I mean, I think all four spots on the infield uh, have some pretty intriguing. Um, Big league potential. Um, you know, O'Neal Cruz is 21, playing every day at this level and batting third. I mean, you know, that on its own, I think is uh, is an accomplishment in its own right and a great learning experience for him. You know, I loved what I've seen from Rodolfo Castro and Mason Martin. Um, you know, Bay can can really run, um, and I'm interested to see more of Ronzi Contreras. You know, it doesn't get much better than what we saw on opening day. But my understanding is that's been the guy the Pirates have had. Um, from big league spring training since he got onto the scene, so that's pretty exciting. No, that we talked about this at length on our podcast so far, multiple times this week
2: about how good he looked um, on Tuesday night. But despite that, the curve have struggled quite a bit this season. Now, what do you what do you kind of attribute to that so far? I know it's still early; it's only we're talking pregame before Game Four. What? Ken, what's gotten kind of into
0: that? I just think it's, you know, it's early, right? Everyone's getting used to new surroundings, a new level of competition. You know, there's only maybe three or four players in the lineup that have double-A experience before this year. You know, Bly was here for the full year in 2019. Arden Pabst was here for the full year. But otherwise, you know, everybody else is making double-A debuts this year. And this is the make-or-break level, as, as you've observed over the years. You know, guys that can cut it here usually can end up playing in the big leagues. And, you know, it is a pretty big jump in terms of talent level from high A to double A. Now what are your expectations of the curve?
2: Do you have any expectations? Because obviously last year didn't exist as far as minor league baseball went, but but what are your expectations for, for maybe the curve and yourself this year?
0: Well, you know, I think for the team, I think this team's going to be pretty good. You know, look, we're three games in and they haven't really hit much yet, but it's going to come. You know, at a certain point, you know, guys that are in the outfield like Cal Mitchell and Jonah Davis and Caden Smith and Jigba, you know, that power is going to come. And, you know, Bly Madras has proven himself at this level. He was seventh in the league in hits when he played here in 2019. It's only a matter of time until the bats start to come. And I think there's enough pitching here uh, that this team should play five or eight games above 500 for most of the year. Um, so, I'm expecting them to be one of the competitors and be one of the top teams in the division.
2: Excellent, job, We appreciate your time, and you guys can catch uh, Alex and I in segment three on the on, on sorry on the Young Bucks podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side. third and final segment of Young Bu- of the Young Bucks podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast of choice. This is Jared Pugger, and we thank uh, John Moses for joining us, and thats I'm sure that's not going to be the last time you've heard of John or from John on this show uh, for the entirety of the summer, but we're glad that he was able to join us. Uh, we were able to talk Friday night um, after the curve took on the Bowie Bay Sox for like the millionth time in a row. Now, now that baseball's back you first of all it's great but second of all now you're seeing some different things so i've been able to like i said in the first segment i've been able to get to to png field to see the uh, to see the curve play um twice now and in those games the pirate the the curve offense has been abysmal now game 1 nobody could hit anything like honestly you could have thrown a beach ball up there and i still think people were going to swing and miss it because contreras and dl hall were just on fire, but the offenses haven't really come around and it's so early, but this is kind of bringing light to the fact that these teams haven't played in a competitive game, a with each other up until this point, but also as individuals in, in over 600 days up until Tuesday. So there's an adjustment and, and talking with Miguel Perez after the game on Thursday, he was like, we know. And, and he was, he was, we as in Ben Charrington, who was in Altoona, uh, this week to see some of these guys, we know they're going to be overly aggressive. We know they're going to be working out some cobwebs and, and getting to that. We want that aggressiveness. We want them to make mistakes and we want them to learn. That's, that's how we grow. And I think that's the biggest thing, um, you know, from this week that I was able to take away from the, from the curve, um, and, and, and the whole scope of the, uh, of the minor league system, because talking with and talking with Perez, this is something that we're going to be, expect to see. like. Ben Charrington was in, has been in on tune the last few days, but he's going to be bouncing around the minor leagues, making sure everything's on the same page. Everybody's on the same page, and that cohesion from, from low A all the way up to the to the big leagues. Like Perez has talked to, talked uh, at length about speaking with Derek Shelton, um, quite a bit, so that everybody's given their input and they're getting input from everybody. And I think that is, you know, what's going to make this farm system that much more successful moving forward.
1: I, I said this on this show a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. One of the things I'm really looking forward to writing this year, and it's going to take a couple months because we can't adequately get an answer in, in May. But what is different with the system now? What just is? How is everything changing? I think you brought up the collaboration that is going to be so important, and I brought it up whenever I talked about Contreras in the first segment just like it's so good that they're not trying to force them into this box like it, there's just so much of this unlimited type potential and it's like okay we only want these parts for it like let these kids actually play the game that they know how especially on the pitching side cuz pitching is going to ultimately determine how, how successful this franchise is going forward
2: right and that's the thing every pitcher is different the arm slot, release point, legs, hips, shoulders, chest. Knees and toes. Every- yeah, right. Head, shoulders, knees and toes. Yes. We, not only are you, you come here for the analysis, but you stay for the anatomy lesson, but you know, everybody is different. Everybody is, and you can't shoehorn them. Like, so say Alex and I are pitching, right? I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm left-handed, but you know, you're, I'm going to throw the ball differently than Alex everybody's different you can't you can't shoehorn these guys into this this mold where it's like oh well you want you need to throw a sinker on the downward plane at this angle no you got to let the you got to let them go out and and pitch because they got here for a reason and it and it sure as heck under the old regime wasn't garrett cole throwing a sinker or throwing the ball low in the zone get a ground ball to clint barmas um so you know you you got to You've got to let the pitchers pitch and you, and the hitters hit too. Like they're, I think from an analytical standpoint, I think it's huge. You know, they talked about the pitching room down in Bradenton, but I think the biggest thing that I've seen is just that cohesion and that comfortability between everybody in the organization um, from the top down, because if Charrington shows that he cares and he's going to be in these guys ears and and be around then, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's going to be one of the biggest things for the Pirates moving forward. Just for
1: the record though, whenever I was pitching back in my Little League digs, I, I had a knuckleball. So I I don't I can't think of any Southpaw knuckleballers there, Jared. So I think we are going to be different.
2: Always. We are. We are we are, <laughs> two, we are definitely different, that's for sure.
1: Hey, thank you for listening to Young Bucks here on DK Sports Radio. If you haven't yet, you should subscribe, get our shows, get Jared's We Are uh, Penn State podcast comes out every week. I've got the podcast to be named later where I do this same shtick but about the major league team. Um two good shows and there are a bunch of other ones on here. So yeah, just just subscribe. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. For Jared Pugar, I am Alex Stump. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.